Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Today the title is Persistent Faith, Line Bartimaeus Part 1. We're not going to get all the way through. I couldn't do it, but I got a long way. Persistent Faith, Blind Bartimaeus, Part 1, Mark 10, 46 to 52. Now, we're talking about somebody who's blind, and I was thinking about this, and different, well, without my glasses, I'm basically blind, and some of you might have different eyesight problems, too. Have you ever tried to do something, though, in the dark? Have you ever tried to do that? And it's not easy, is it? You walk into things. Some people have hit their heads pretty hard here. Uh, I have. Uh, where, yeah, I wasn't going to say names, but I heard her laughing back there. Uh, gotten concussions from walking into things, tripping over things. It's really difficult to do something in the dark, isn't it? And I remember growing up on the farm, and one, my dad, who was here a couple weeks ago, he, I reminded him of the story. He was trying to forget it. We were, he was planting a field of planting a field. It was corn right next, right near our house. It was right on the front road where everybody can see it because most of the fields are away from the road. But this is right by the road and he was trying to get this field planted and he just had to get it done, had to get it done. But it was getting dark and he decided I'm just going to keep going and do the best I can. He turned on the tractor lights. This was before they had good tractor lights. Back then they, you know, they were pretty dim. You couldn't see much. But he thought he could see with a little bit of tractor lights he had going and he, and he planted the rest of the field. He finished it in the dark. Well, the next day we go out and it was like, you know, zigzagging, you know, out there. It was, it was crazy. It looked like you'd been drinking and driving, right? And, and, then, and then as it grew, the corn grew, you could see it just, it was nice and straight. And then all of a sudden it was swerving, swerving, swerving where it turned dark. And everybody was kidding me. Yeah, your dad started drinking, huh? And so uh, they were kidding because it was a long lesson until they, they harvested the corn. Everybody had a really good time with the zigzag because it was in the dark. And we're going to look at somebody today who lived in the dark. Someone who really was blind. He couldn't see. He lived his whole life in the dark. And this is another Mark sandwich. I don't want to make anybody hungry here, but, but it's a Mark sandwich. When we talked about Mark, how he, he'll take a story and put it right between two other stories to make a point, drive a point home. And he puts this story right between two key events for a reason. Right after, this is right after the disciples, when we talked about this, the disciples, the dodos we call them right now, showed their spiritual nearsightedness. They're not quite blind, but they're pretty nearsighted, like me without my glasses, spiritually, because Jesus had just predicted his death, and they just had this real touching moment, and what did they do? They start fighting about who's going to be next, who's going to take over, who's going to be in charge, who's going to be number one, who's going to sit on the thrones on the right and the left. A big fight breaks out, Right? And not only that, right after this story, we're going to see that we're going to move into chapters 11 and 12 where Jesus battles the Pharisees who are blind. They're not just nearsighted. They are stubbornly blind. They refuse to see what's right in front of them. They refuse to. And it's also, so we have this Mark sandwich here. It's also the last miracle in Mark. Did you realize that? Remember, one of the main themes of Mark is the miracles. Miracles, that's, you know, because he's trying to show the Gentile readers in Rome what Jesus' power is like. It's one of the key themes here. But here, right after the third prediction, his third prediction of the cross, there's one last miracle. One last miracle. And then Jesus starts his final approach to the cross. The cross where Jesus will heal 
our spiritual blindness. Let's pray before we open the word. Father, we thank you for the worship today. We thank you for bringing each one of us here because I know we all struggle with seeing spiritually and a lot of things cloud our vision. We just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us now and and move in our hearts through your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's read the passage first of all. Like I said, we'll do part one today and then we'll hit part two next week. But starting with verse 46... Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So let's start with verse 46. I'll read this one again. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. They came to Jericho, uh, and they ran into blind Bartimaeus. Now Luke, if you look at the parallel passages, Luke also says that they were approaching Jericho when they ran into Bartimaeus, the blind man. But Matthew said they were leaving Jericho. Oh, what could this mean? Well, if you've ever been in a college class, your professors, I'm sure, has pointed out, shows the Bible's got a lot of mistakes in it and you can't believe it. These guys are all mixed up and they don't know which, whether they're coming and going, right? I mean, that's what it means. The Bible's full of contradictions. We can't trust it. Not... No, uh, any, this, the person who told you that in your college class probably never even read the, the Gospels or the Bible. I hear these stories all the time from our, our college students, and I have to sit down and show them what the Bible really teaches. There were two Jerichos in the time of Jesus, okay? And they were just a mile apart. There was an old Jericho, the Old Testament Jericho, not the first one. What happened to the first one? Joshua knocked the walls down, right? But it was rebuilt. It was rebuilt, and when it was rebuilt... Uh, over time it had eroded and become a ghost town. By Jesus' time it was a ghost town. Very few people living in it. Think of the old westerns and the ghost towns. And that's what it was like at this time. But a new one had been built by Herod the, the not-so-great. Some people call him great, but I call him the not-so-great. And because this was where he built his lavish winter palace. And obviously where's the beggar going to be hanging out if he wants money? Not at the old Jericho. He's going to be hanging out at the New Jericho just down the road. And that's why they were, leaving, they were leaving one Jericho, which Matthew reports, but here they're coming to Jericho. So there's no contradiction. They're leaving one, coming to the other. The different gospel writers recorded different cities that they were leaving. So while they did that, they run into blind Bart. Blind Bartimaeus. I'll call him blind Bart because it's I like the Western theme. We're on the Western theme. Now, Matthew records that there are two men, but he doesn't give their name. Luke records one man's name, one man, but he doesn't give the name. Mark records one of them and gives his name as Bartimaeus. Why the differences? 
Why, do they re why does somebody say there's two and one say there's one and one says it's the guy's name? Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit, remember this, the Holy Spirit is leading each of these gospel writers to write to a specific audience for a specific purpose. That's why he's doing it. So Bartimaeus was probably the more vocal of the two, which is why Mark focused on, but also because of the Holy Spirit's purpose. Forget the Bible. That's what reporters do all the time, right? They record, they record what happens all the time, but they focus on what fits their agenda or their, folk, their purpose, right? That's what reporters do. I'll give you an example, which shows what the Holy Spirit is doing here, but I'm going to give you a, a human example of how reporting happens, and nobody thinks twice about it. I remember in 1997, I went to a Promise Keeper event called Stand in the Gap. Anybody go to that on the, the Washington Mall? Anybody else? Got a few people that were there? And remember, there was a lot of men there. It was huge. Well, I'll talk about numbers in just a minute. And so it was called Stand in the Gap on the mall. And the re news reports came, came out when we got home. When we came home all moved, we saw what really happened. We got home and all the news reports were thousands of men showed up. Thousands. That's all they said, thousands. And protesters were everywhere. Protesters. In fact, some people said to me, how did you get through the protesters to the event? There's so many protesters there. And, and that's what the news was reporting. All the news sites were reporting it. Now, I'm going to tell you what really happened because I was there. I walked around. During the whole day, I literally walked the entire mall perimeter of all the men that were there. It was a massive number of men. I walked the entire circumference of that. Just wanted to be, see it and feel it and while they're speaking. And I did it. And about halfway around, there was this little tiny group of protesters. 30 people maybe. It was a tiny little group. But they were surrounded by news cameras and news vans. And they were just surrounded. And they, these news people spent their whole time focusing on this tiny little Look like a little group of ants, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a little anthill. Tiny little group. And all these, they were all focused. They spent so much time. That's all they did. They just watched this little protesters group. And they were saying all these crazy things. And I didn't think much of it. I just kept on going. Because later, later on, I ran into one of my friends who was a pastor. And he said, I just talked to one of the park rangers on the horse. And he said, this is the biggest group they've ever seen on the mall. By a lot. He said, there's well over a million men here, way over. He goes, but you'll never hear it in print, and you'll never hear it from us because we're not allowed to say it, because it would cause too much controversy. We're told not to report the number. Way over a million men. But you get home, and there was th they kept saying thousands, and, and, the made, and the protesters were bigger than the group because the reporters had an agenda. They were, re they were trying to fit their purpose, right? Well, the Holy Spirit has a spiritual agenda. He's not leaving out people on purpose or adding people. There's, an, there's a reason why he's trying, he, he focuses, Mark is focusing, led by the Holy Spirit, to focus on Bartimaeus because the Holy Spirit has a reason. Why did he give the name Bartimaeus? Stay tuned. In fact, you have, you have to come next week to hear the whole story on Bartimaeus, right? But the Holy Spirit has a purpose for focusing on him. Let's read verse 47 here. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He hears Jesus is walking by and he calls out to him. And we have a very interesting picture of our spiritual journey today. Right here but with Bartimaeus. We are Bartimaeus here. Why? He couldn't see Jesus. 
Can we see Jesus? Most of us haven't. A few people have claimed to see Jesus. But most of us, we, we don't see Jesus, right? We can't see him, but we can hear about him. Just like Bartimaeus, we can hear about him. And we can hear his word, which is the key to true faith. Romans 10, 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing. It's not seeing is believing, according to God's word. It's hearing is believing. Hearing is believing. In fact, in John 20, 24 to 29, where Thomas, remember doubting Thomas, he didn't believe. And listen what Jesus says to doubting Thomas. He says to Thomas in John, in John 20, 24, he says, Now Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to him, unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen yet believe, because the coming generations, and we're part of that, are not, we're not going to see Jesus. But we're going to hear the messages heard through the word of Christ. We're going to hear, and those are the ones who are blessed. It's hearing is believing. God's word, the Bible, is enough for those with open hearts. It's enough. For those who are truly seeking God, God's word is enough. And God's word will accomplish what God wants, to, what wants it to accomplish. The message is enough. In fact, in Isaiah 55, in Isaiah 55, 10 through 11, where, where the, Isaiah talks about this, God says, As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word will accomplish what he wants it to accomplish. It's enough. It's enough. I hear many people say all the time, if only I could see God, then I would really believe her. If Jesus really appeared now, I would believe. Or if I could really see miracles, if, if I could see a, a real miracle that I could not doubt, I would really believe it. Do you need proof? And I tell people, do you need proof that that wouldn't matter? The Pharisees. The Pharisees saw all of Jesus' miracles. They saw him rise from the dead, and they didn't believe it. Right? It, it's not, it, that's, that's not enough. It's not enough. It, it takes the heart of faith that's open to what God has said and done. Another proof, Luke 16, 27, where, it's, where it's, this is really driven home, the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man in, in hell, uh, he didn't believe in God, he didn't believe in Christ, and he ends up in hell. And listen to what he says. He, the rich man is in hell, and he, doesn't, he wants some miraculous proof to be sent back to his, his brother's 
on earth so they don't end up in hell with them. And he says, then he said, I beg you, Father, he's talking to Father Abraham, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. The rich man and Lazarus are both dead. Lazarus is in Abraham's bosom. The rich man is in hell. But listen to what Abraham replied, verse 29. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Is that true? Jesus rose from the dead to the Pharisees repent? Mm -mm. Listen to what Abraham says. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. It's not a proof issue. We have all the proof we need in God's word. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Faith comes from hearing. And so we have Bart, blind Bartimaeus here. And back to verse 47. Blind Bartimaeus. And he shouts two things. He shouts, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David. That's a messianic term. It's the only place it's used in the book of Mark is right here. The only one. And isn't this ironic? This blind guy can see something. This blind guy can see something that the Pharisees couldn't see. Right? They were the ones who were really blind, not him. And then he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The Greek literally means mercy me. Now I can only imagine where the group got their name now, right? So mercy me. That's where it's from. Connecting the dots. I'm going to connect some wild dots here. There was never a healing of a blind man in the Old Testament. Did you realize that? No blind person was ever healed in the Old Testament. Lots of other amazing miracles done, but never a blind person healed. That's why in John chapter 9, in John chapter 9, when Jesus healed the blind man and the Pharisees were grilling him, remember the, the story? We actually looked at that one. And, and, and they were grilling him and saying, what happened? Because they, they knew what that meant, that he was healed. And remember what they said to him, what he said to them in John chapter 9... I'm going to read 32 and 33. No, this is what the blind man says who's been healed now. He says, Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. He's reminding the Pharisees of something. No one has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. It was never done before. The Old Testament, not one healing of a blind person. And he's obviously from God. And the reason he says if this man were not from God, he could do nothing, that was to be a sign of the coming of the Messiah, the healing of blind people. That's why Jesus told John the Baptist. Remember, John the Baptist is in prison, and he's in the dungeon there, and he starts to have doubts. Maybe I got this wrong. Maybe I baptized the wrong guy, you know. And you know, he's starting to have doubts about it all. And Jesus says to him, he says, go back and tell John something. He says, go back. And report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The blind, there's a reason why he said it. That's a messianic proof. The blind receive sight. The, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. And that's, that's a combination of Isaiah 35.5 and Isaiah 61.1. Jesus bunched them together because they are messianic proofs. It was, it was a sign that the Messiah was here. 
A sign that the Messiah had arrived. And blind Bartimaeus believed it. And he shouted it. And this time, Jesus didn't shut him up. What happened every other time coming up to this point? Remember the this theme of Mark? The secret Messiah? The Lone Ranger Jesus? Could, didn't want anybody to know because once they knew... He was the Messiah, and once it was out in the open, it started the clock ticking. Remember that? But now he didn't shut him up. Instead, he confirmed what Bartimaeus was shouting. He confirmed it in front of the whole crowd by healing this blind man. Why? Because the messianic secret is out in the open now. He's take, the Lone Ranger has taken off his mask. Spider-Man has taken off the mask. He's saying, it's me. I'm the Messiah. Jesus is now 18 miles from Jerusalem. 18 miles, he's begun his final lap. He's begun his final approach to the cross. The clock has started ticking. It's the last hour of, of his life here. You know, the, symbolically the last hour. The time, when we were kids, we had this toy called the time bomb. Uh, I don't, some of you might remember that, the Tom, time bomb toy. It, it wouldn't sell it anymore in our country, would it now? You know, the way the world is now. But back then, it was a lot of fun having this bomb, right? And it was this red bomb toy. And what you would do is you would wind the top, and you'd be at a birthday party, and it's like kind of like hot potato, but it was the bomb game. And like I said, it probably wouldn't be used today. And uh, probably most kids would be bored with it today. Why do we like it so much? Well, there were no video games. So anyway, we have this, this time bomb toy, and you'd wind the top, and then it would start ticking, and you would start passing it around, passing it around. It would tick, 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 tick. All of a sudden, it would go, and whoever was holding it, when it exploded, they were out of the game. So, that's really what's happening here with Jesus. He's 18 miles from Jerusalem, and the t clock is ticking. He has now presented himself as the Messiah. It's out in the open. And the clock is ticking, and, and the bomb is going to go off when he hits the cross. So, back to verse 48. Going to verse 48 here. With Bartimaeus, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So they tried to shut him up. Shut up. Many rebuked him. They told him to be quiet. Think of a celebrity walking through Philly. And the celebrity's walking through Philly, and a, a beggar, a homeless person, comes up and tries to ask them for something. Think of Cole Hamels. He just pitched this no-hitter. He's walking on his way back. Reporters all around him, and someone's calling out they want some money. What are they going to do? They're trying to shield him from them. They don't want him to be bothered by this person. Most celebrities wouldn't bother unless it's the Pope. Pope is coming soon to Philly here, Bucks County. County, and uh, that, the Pope probably wouldn't shush people away. He'd probably say, come on over here and, and spend some time with this, with this homeless person. But most celebrities wouldn't want to be with that person. And many will try to keep you. That's what happened with Jesus. But many will try to keep us from coming to Jesus, try to keep us from finding Jesus. Satan will try to do that. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, For the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so they cannot see the light of the gospel of Christ. Satan will do all he can to keep us from seeing the light. I remember a chick track named the the assignment. I know there's little those some of those chick tracks can be pretty extreme, but I love this one. It was a it's a great illustration of this, and the whole story is about angels and demons trying to fight over someone hearing the gospel. And I just remember the vivid illustration from that. Satan will try to keep us from coming to Christ or finding Christ. The world system, the world that, that is opposed to Jesus Christ will do all it can to keep us from coming to Jesus Christ. The world that's brainwashing everyone and, and paints two Christians is crazy. 
People will also try to keep us from coming to Christ. The peer pressure of friends and fam even family members. So many times people will tell me their story. And, and they, they said, as long as I was an atheist and I was at, at the bars and, and partying, nobody bothered. My family didn't bother me. But as soon as I became born again, they freaked out. Because, because they, anything was okay but not not becoming a born-again Christian. And I'm talking about the guy with the purple hair behind the, the goalpost on TV. Born again, Jesus says you must be born again. He told Nicodemus, you must be born again. The word literally means born from above. Just as we're born physically, we must be born spiritually. That happens the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Some people say, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a born-again Christian. There's no such thing. We're either born again or we're not a Christian. Jesus said you must be born again. And that happens the moment we put our faith in Jesus. We repent of our sin. We put our faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes in and we are born spiritually. We're born just as we're born physically. We must be born again spiritually. And many people will try to keep us from coming to Christ and, and finding Christ and following him. But this man didn't let these people stop him. The people told him to shut up. He just shouted. He shouted all the more. And it worked. It worked. Don't let anyone keep you from Jesus Christ, from finding your salvation, from getting your healing, from your freedom in Jesus Christ. And this is a beautiful picture of persistent faith. Persistent faith. And that's vital, whether it's coming to Christ, persisting in our search, or once we become a Christian in the Christian life, persisting in our faith. Very, very important that we, that we have persistent faith. And he says, Son of David, mercy me. Son of David, mercy me. Mercy is in the Greek means to help one afflicted or seeking aid, to help someone out of compassion. Compassion. And that's what Jesus had for this man. He had compassion. In Matthew 20, verse 34, he says the reason Jesus reached out and healed the blind men was, was compassion. He had compassion and he reached out and touched them. It wasn't pity. Pity is when you feel bad for somebody, but compassion is when you feel, feel something and do something about what they're going through. And compassion is why Jesus healed Bartimaeus. It's why he healed the leper. It's why he raised, raised the widow's son each time it talked about Jesus' compassion. It's the reason he's going to Jerusalem, the reason he's marching to Jerusalem to a torturous death on the cross. It's his compassion. It's God's love. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God's love, Jesus' sacrificial love, is the reason that we can have eternal life. How? Whoever believes in him, when we act on that love, when we receive that gift of love, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, that's how we receive God's love. But the, God's compassion, the compassion of Christ doesn't stop the moment we put our faith. It's for the whole, our whole life it's there. In fact, in Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We can come to the throne at any time, no matter what we've done, no matter what we're doing, no matter what we're struggling, whatever trial we're going through, we can access God's mercy in the throne of, of grace every day, any time of the day, of the night, any hour, any minute, any second, we can access God's mercy and grace when we come to that throne of grace through his son, Jesus Christ. And blind Bart is our example. He's our inspiration. Look how he does it. Look at verses 49 to 50. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, 
chair up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. He's calling you. Do you remember when you heard the call of Jesus Christ? I remember being at Camp Niagara Bible Conference and being at camp eight years old and hearing the call. Walking forward when they gave the invitation every night just to make sure. I felt the call. I heard the call. You remember your call? Remember that vivid call? And then when I was 12, I remember hearing the call again to, to go into ministry at camp. And going forward. And giving my life to, to go into ministry. Everything was perfect ever since. I just kept moving right forward and straight line. Okay, I ran away from the call for a long time. But you can't run away from the call. Whether it's salvation or God's call in your life for whatever purpose he's called us to, you can't run away from it. Not without being miserable. Remember the call when you were searching, struggling, we were lost, blind, feeling empty. And we just kept feeling this pull to check out this Jesus guy. And as we were reading the word, we were reading the Bible someone gave us, or we found, or we're listening to preaching on the radio, or TV, or in a church somewhere, and we heard the call. We heard his call, the call of Jesus. The Holy Spirit moved in our heart and touched our heart in a very, very special way. Acts 2 talks about that call. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've been called. We've been called. And maybe Jesus is calling you right now. Maybe you haven't get surrendered your life yet. But the Holy Spirit is calling you now. Jesus is calling out to us now. And look how Bartimaeus responds to the call of Jesus back in Mark chapter 9, 49 and 50. Look how he responds. It's a powerful lesson for every one of us. What does he do? He throws off his coat. He jumps up. What does that show? He's eager. He has faith. He has expectation. In front of everybody, he, he stumbles up to Jesus in front of this whole crowd that if, moments before was telling him to shut up. Billy Graham, I've loved to watch Billy Graham preach, and he said he always calls people up front to accept Christ. He said because Jesus always called people to make a public profession. We don't necessarily do that here. Don't get nervous. But we have baptism. We have baptism coming up. And if you've never, put, if you've never been baptized as a believer, I'm not talking about as an infant sprinkled, that's a dedication, but, but as a believer, believe and be baptized. That's an adult decision. Under the water, out of the water, that's what Jesus did. That's what he taught. If you've never taken that step, very, very important. August 16th, see me come up 
talk to me, come up to the meeting, whatever. But, but it's a powerful public witness of what has happened inside. It's vital to let people know that you're a Christian. What has happened inside of you, this is an outward picture. There's no such thing as an undercover Christian. And so he throws off the coat, and the coat is vital to understanding what he did, what we must do. He throws off his coat, his cloak. The beggar's cloak, coat, was everything to them. That was all they had. Think of car, house, possessions, all rolled into one thing, packed on your back. That's all they had. It kept them warm. That's what they slept in out in the street or in the doorways. That's where they slept. That kept them warm. And also, that's what they spread out in front of them. He didn't have a violin case, you know, to put the case down. They spread this cloak in front of them. People would throw the coins on the cloak, and that's what he would gather up at the end of the day, and that's how he got his money to live on. That, the cloak was everything he owned. It represented his whole life, his whole way of life was this coat. And what did he do? He threw it away. He was leaving his old way of life behind. Think about what he did. He couldn't even go find that coat again. He walked away from his old way of life. And he was totally trusting Jesus to heal him. And that's what we all must do. We are all blind beggars. Every one of us start out as blind beggars. And we need healing. We need healing of our sin. We need, we, we need our, our blindness healed. Spiritual blindness healed. Just like, like Bartimaeus. But we need to leave the old way of life behind us. This is where I'm going to stop. In the story. You're going to have to come back from part two next week. But here's your assignment. Because not many of you, I don't think anybody found it yet. Why did Mark record Bartimaeus' name? Connect the dots. What did we just look at last week? What are we going to be looking at? Why? Come back next week to hear part two. But this is, this is where I, I feel the Holy Spirit's ending us today. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us through Bartimaeus? Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never been born again. But you're spiritually seeking. You wouldn't be here if you weren't spiritually seeking. And the Holy Spirit is calling you to Jesus. Don't let anyone stop you from coming to Jesus. If you really look for God, you will find him. It's a promise in the God's word. It's Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek for me with all your heart. Doesn't matter if you're living in the deepest, darkest corner of Africa. Doesn't matter if you're living in the USA. Doesn't matter where you're living. If we will seek God with all of our heart, the promise from God's word is we will find God. We will find him. And I want to encourage you to read his word and listen to his word preached. And don't let anyone stop you from coming to Jesus Christ and putting your faith in him and being born spiritually. Is Jesus calling you today? Maybe you're ready and the Holy Spirit is calling you today. And, and, and it's time to put your faith in him and to be healed of sin and receive God's mercy. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait for some religious 
ritual or religious person or a special event or special day. It's between you and God. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can have that life now by turning to Jesus and putting your faith in him. And after we do that, if we're already a Christian, are we being persistent in our faith? Are we like Bartimaeus and being persistent in our faith? Maybe you've given up on something. Maybe you're even losing your faith and you haven't told anybody. You just like feel like you're losing your faith. Maybe there's spiritual battles in your life that have really wounded you. Maybe it's the temptation that you're facing. Maybe it's a trial that you're facing. Jesus understands. First of all, we all understand. Talk to any one of us. We all get it. But Jesus understands. He has compassion on us. And I promise, if you persist in faith, he will answer our call for mercy. I'm not saying when. Sometimes, you know, we keep, it's a lifelong battle. But he's, the mercy and grace is always just enough for where we're at. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16 talks about I'm going to back up a few verses on that when we see what Jesus did. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet was without sin. Jesus, whatever you are going through, Jesus understands it. He has been through it. You say, there's no way he could. He's been in every way just as we are. Think about what he must have gone through on this earth to be able to say that. What he had to go through on the cross to be able to say that. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let's pray. Maybe you're here today and you feel like giving up. Maybe you already have given up. But the Holy Spirit is telling you to do what Bartimaeus did, and that's get up. Get up and come to Jesus. Approach the throne of grace and ask for mercy and grace. Pray to him right now and do that. You might need help doing that. There's something in your life that you just need someone to come alongside and encourage you in this, this spiritual battle. Talk to someone. Talk to me. Talk to Cam. Talk to anybody here. To get some encouragement and to get some support in the battle. Got some super Christian counselors that we can connect to with too. Whatever it is. Whatever you need. But the starting point is getting up and coming to Jesus. No matter how dark things are, 
no matter what obstacles are in our way, no matter what people are saying, we still stagger to Jesus. No matter how many times we've fallen down, he's still there. with compassion. and love. While we're talking to God, coming to Jesus, maybe you're taking, and you need to come to Jesus for the first time. You've never been born spiritually. You know about him, but you've never given him your heart and your life. And you sense the Holy Spirit calling you to Jesus. Get up and come to him now. Put your faith in him right where you're sitting. Just pray to Jesus and put your faith in him. It's not a complicated prayer. It's laid out so clearly for us. God, forgive me for every wrong thing I've ever done, every sin I've ever committed. Forgive me. I repent. I'm walking away from that old life and that old sin. I repent. Please forgive me. Whatever separates me from you, God, I, I turn away from it. I put my faith in your son, Jesus. No, there's nothing I can do. It's already been done. All I can do is put my faith in Jesus. I give him my life. I'm going to follow him. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, God's word promises something. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. Life doesn't begin when you get to heaven someday. Everlasting life begins right now for you. You have a brand new life in Jesus Christ that starts now and goes throughout all of eternity. You have been born spiritually and your life will never be the same. And I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you came with a family member or a friend. Let somebody know. Fill out the card. Tell me on the way out. Text me, call me, email. Let somebody know so that we could be excited for you and help you grow. 
it may be the Holy Spirit speaking to you about making a public profession of your faith. Maybe it's you're surrendering and saying, God, I will be baptized. I will obey what your word says. Believe and be baptized. I'm going to let people know I've taken this step. Father, I pray that we would be encouraged by blind Bartimaeus, who's not blind anymore. I pray that every one of us could be like Bartimaeus, that we would be able to see spiritually. And we would be persistent in our faith. No matter what happens, keep coming to you on our knees. And Lord, I pray that you would encourage every one of us through this word today. No matter what we're going through spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally. That we would be encouraged in our faith in you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.